Section 11 of The Golden Bell, Volume 1 Part 1 The Magic Art and the Evolution of Kings, Volume 1 By James Fraser This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recorded by Leon Harvey Chapter 5 Subchapter 2 Magic Control of the Rain Part 2 Rain-making by bathing and sprinkling of water. Bathing is practiced as a rain charm in some parts of southern and western Russia. Sometimes after service in church, the priest in his robes has been thrown down on the ground and drenched with water by his parishioners. Sometimes it is women who, without stripping off their clothes, bathe in crowds on the day of St. John the Baptist, while they dip in the water a figure made of branches, grass, and herbs, which is supposed to represent the saint. Hidden Kursk a province of southern Russia. When rain is much wanted, the women seize a passing stranger and throw him into the river, or souse him from head to foot. Later on, we shall see that a passing stranger is often taken for a deity or the personification of some natural power. It is recorded in official documents that during a drought in 1790, the peasants of Sherelts and Whereabouts collected all the women and compelled them to bathe in order that rain might fall. An Armenian rain charm is to throw the wife of a priest into the water and drench her. The Arabs of North Africa fling a holy man willy-nilly into a spring as a remedy for drought. In Minahasa, a province of North Salibs, the priest bathes as a rain charm. In central Salibs, when there has been no rain for a long time and the white stalks begin to shrivel up, many of the villagers, especially the young folk, go to a neighboring brook and splash each other with water, shouting noisily or squirt water on one another through bamboo tubes. Sometimes they imitate the plump of rain by smacking the surface of the water with their hands or by placing an inverted cord on it and drumming on the cord with their fingers. The Karobataks of Sumatra have a rain-making ceremony which lasts a week. The men go about with bamboo squirts and the women with bowls of water, and they drench each other or throw the water into the air and cry, The rain has come, when it drips down on them. In Kumaon, a district of northwest India, when rain falls, they sink a Brahmin up to his lips in a tank or pond, where he repeats the name of a god of rain for a day or two. When this rite is duly performed, rain is sure to fall. For the same purpose, village girls in the Punjab will pour a solution of cow dung in water upon an old woman who happens to pass, or they will make her sit down under the footsprout of a house and get a wetting when it rains. In the Salak district of Sumatra, when a drought has lasted a long time, a number of half-naked women take a half-witted man to a river, and there, they sprinkle him with water as a means of compelling the rain to fall. In some parts of Bengal, when drought threatens the country, trips of children of all ages go from house to house and roll and tumble in puddles, which have been prepared for the purpose of, by pouring water into the courtyards. This is supposed to bring down rain. Curses supposed to cause rain. Again, in Dabrajur, a village in the Burkham district of Bengal, when rain has been looked for in vain, people will throw dirt or filth on the houses of their neighbours who abuse them for doing so, or they drench the lame, the halt, the blind, and other infirm persons who are reviled for their pains by the victims. This vituperation is believed to bring about the desired result by drawing down showers on the parched earth. Similarly, in the Shafur district of the Punjab, it is said to be customary in time of drought to spill a pot of filth on the threshold of a notorious old shrew, in order that the fluent stream of foul language in which she vents her feelings may accelerate the lingering rain. Beneficial Effect of Curses and Abuse 
In these later customs, the means adopted for bringing about the desired result appear to be not so much imitative magic as a beneficent effect which, curiously enough, is often attributed to curses and maledictions. Thus, in the Indian district of Behar, much virtue is ascribed to abuse, which is supposed in some cases to bring good luck. People, for example, who accompany a marriage procession to the bride's house are often foully abused by the women of the bride's family in the belief that this contributes to the good fortune of the newly married pair. So in Bahar on Jamadwitayade, which falls on the second day of the bright period of the moon next to that during which the Desira festival takes place, brothers are reviled by sisters to their heart's content because it is thought that this will prolong the lives of the brothers and bring them good luck. Further, in Bihar and Bengal, it is deemed very unlucky to look at the new moon of Badon, August. Whoever does so is sure to meet with some mishap, or to be falsely accused of something. To avert these evils, people are commonly advised to throw stones or brickbats into their neighbours' houses, for if they do so, and are reviled of their pains, they will escape the threatened evils, and the neighbours who abuse them will suffer in their stead. Hence the day of the new moon in this month is called the Day of Stones, at Benares a regular festival is held for the purpose on the fourth day of Badon, which is known as the Cult Festival of the North. On the Kurda estate in the Orissa gardens and fruit trees are conspicuously absent, the peasants explain their absence by saying that from time immemorial they have held it lucky to be annoyed and abused by their neighbours at a certain festival which answers to the Neshti Chandra in Bengal. Hence, in order to give ample ground of offence, they mutilate the fruit trees and trample down the gardens of their neighbours and so court fortune by drawing down on themselves the wrath of the injured owners at cranganore in the native state of cochin there is a shrine of the goddess bhagavati which is much frequented by pilgrims in the month of minam march april from all parts of cochin malabar and the travancore crowds flock to attend the festival and the high roads ring with the shouts of nada nada march march they desecrate the shrine of the goddess in every conceivable way discharge volleys of stones and filth and level the most opprobrious language at the goddess herself these proceedings are supposed to be acceptable to her the intention of the pilgrimage is to secure immunity from disease during the succeeding year in some causes a curse may like rags and dirt be supposed to benefit a man by making him appear vile and contemptible and thus diverting from him the evil eye and other malignant influences which were attracted by beauty and prosperity but repelled by their opposites among the huzzles of the Carpathians, if a herdsman or cattle owner suspects himself of having the evil eye, he would charge one of his household to call him a devil or a robber every time he goes near the cattle, for he thinks that this will undo the effect of the evil eye. Among the chams of Cambodia and Anam, while a corpse is being burned on the pyre, a man who bears the title of the Master of Sorrows remains in the house of the deceased and loads it with curses, out of which he beseeches the ghost not to come back and torment his family. These last curses are clearly intended to make his old home unattractive to the spirit of the dead. Estonian fishermen believe that they never have had good luck as when someone is angry with them and curses them. Hence, before a fisherman goes out to fish, he will play a rough practical joke on a comrade, nor to be abused and execrated by him. The more his friends storms and curses, the better he is pleased. Every curse brings at least three fish into his net. There is a popular belief in Berlin and the neighbourhood that if you wish a huntsman good luck when he is going out to shoot deer, he will be certain never to get a shot at all. To avert the ill luck caused by such a wish, Hunter must throw a broomstick at the head of his well-wisher. 
If he is really to have luck, you must wish that he may break his neck, or both his neck and his legs. The wish is expressed with pregnant brevity in the phrase, Now then, neck and leg. The intention of such curses may be to put the fish or the deer off the guard, or as we shall see later on, animals are commonly supposed to understand human speech, and even to overhear what is said of them many miles off. Accordingly, if they hear a fisherman or a hunter flouted, a vituperated, they will think too meanly of him to go out of his way, and will fall an easy prey to his net or his gun. When a Greek sower sowed coming, he had to curse and swear, or the prop would not turn out well. Roman writers mention a similar custom observed by the sowers of Rue and Basil, and hedge doctors in ancient Greece laid it down as a rule that, in cutting black hellebore, you should face eastward and curse. Perhaps the bitter language was supposed to strengthen the bitter taste, and hence the medical virtue, of these plants. At Lindus, on the island of Rhodes, it was customary to sacrifice one or two plough oxen to Hercules with curses and precations. Indeed, we are told that the sacrifice was deemed invalid if a good word fell from anyone's lips during the rite. The custom was explained by a legend that Hercules had laid hands on the oxen of a ploughman and cooked and devoured them, while their owner, unable to defend his beasts, stood far off and vented his anger in a torrent of abuse and execration. Hercules received his maledictions with a roar of laughter, aborted him his priest, and bade him always sacrifice in the very same execrations, for he had never dined better in his life. Religion is plainly a fiction devised to explain the ritual. We may conjecture that the curses were intended to palliate the sort of a sacred animal. The subject will be touched on in a later part of this work. Here we must return to rain-making. Rain-making by ploughing Women are sometimes supposed to be able to make rain by ploughing or pretending to plough. Thus the Peshawas and Crusers of the Caucasus have a ceremony called ploughing the rain, which they observe in time of drought. Girls yoke themselves to a plough and drag it into a river, wading in the water up to their girdles. In the same circumstances, Armenian girls and women do the same. The oldest woman, or the priest's wife, wears the priest's dress, while the others, dressed as men, drag the plough through the water against the stream. In the Caucasian province of Georgia, when a drought has lasted long, marriageable girls are yoked in couples with an ox yoke on their shoulders, a priest holds the reins, and, thus harnessed, they wade through rivers, puddles, and marshes, praying, screaming, weeping, and laughing. In a district of Transylvania, when the ground is parched with drought, some girls strip themselves naked, and led by an older woman, who is also naked, they steal a harrow and carry it across the field to a brook, where they set it afloat. Next they sit in the harrow and keep a tiny flame burning on each corner of it for an hour. Then they leave the harrow in the water and go home. A similar rain charm is resorted to in some parts of India. Naked women drag a plough across the field by night, while the men keep carefully out of the way, for their presence would break the spell. As performed at Chornar in Bengal on the 24th of July, 1891, the ceremony was this. Between nine and ten in the evening, a barber's wife went from door to door, and invited the women to engage in ploughing. They all assembled in a field from which the men were excluded. Three women of a husbandman's family then stripped themselves naked. Two of them were yoked like oxen to the plough, while the third held the handle. They next began to imitate the operation of ploughing. One who held the plough cried out, O Mother Earth, bring parched grain, water, and chaff. Our stomachs are breaking to pieces from hunger and thirst. Then a landlord and a accountant approached them and laid down some grain, water, and chaff in the field and that the women dressed and returned home. By the grace of God, adds the gentleman who reports the ceremony, the weather changed almost immediately, and we had a good shower. 
sometimes as they drew the plough the women sing hymn to vishnu in which they seek to enlist his sympathy by emulating the ills which the people are suffering from the want of rain in some cases they discharge volleys of abuse at the village officials and even at the landlord whom they compel to drag the plough these ceremonies are all the more remarkable because in ordinary circumstances into women never engage in agricultural operations like ploughing and harrowing yet in drought it seems to be women of the highest or brahmin caste who are chosen to perform what at other times would be regarded as a menial and degrading task occasionally when hesitation is felt at subjecting brahmin ladies to this indignity they are allowed to get off by merely touching the plough early in the morning before people are astir the real work is afterwards done by the ploughmen in Manipur, the prosperity of all classes depends on the abundance and regularity of the rainfall. Hence, the people have many rites and ceremonies for the making of rain. Thus, in times of drought, 108 girls milk 108 cows in the temple of Govinji, the most popular incarnation of Krishna in the country. If this fails, the women throw their dun pounders into the nearest pool, and at the dead of night strip themselves naked and plough. There is a Burmese superstition that if a harrow has a flaw in it no rain will fall till the faulty harrow has been decked with flowers broken and thrown into the river further the owner should have his hair cropped and being adorned with flowers should dance and carry the harrow to the water otherwise the country is sure to suffer from drought the tarahumara indians of mexico dip the plough in water before they use it that it may draw rain making rain by means of the dead sometimes a rain charm operates through the dead Thus in New Caledonia, the rainmakers blackened themselves all over, dug up a dead body, took the bones to a cave, jointed them, and hung the skeleton over some taro leaves. Water was poured over the skeleton to run down on the leaves. They believed that the soul that had ceased took up the water, converted it into rain, and showered it down again. In some parts of New Caledonia, the ceremony is somewhat different. A great quantity of provisions is offered to the ancestors, being laid down before their skulls in the sacred place. In front of the skulls, a number of pots full of water are set in a row, and each pot is deposited a sacred stone, which has more or less the shape of a skull. The rainmaker then prays to the ancestors to send rain. After that, he climbs a tree with a branch in his hand, which he waves about to hasten the approach of the rain clouds. The ceremony is a mixture of magic and religion. The prayers and offerings to the ancestors are purely religious, while the placing of the skull-like stones in water and the waving of the branch are magical. In Russia, if common report may be believed, it is not long since the peasants in a district that chanced to be afflicted with drought used to dig up the corpse of someone who had drunk himself to death and seek it in the nearest swamp or lake, fully persuaded that this would ensure the fall of the needed rain. In 1868, the prospect of a bad harvest caused by a prolonged drought induced the inhabitants of a village in the Tarashchansk district to dig up the body of a Roskolnik, or dissenter, who had died in the preceding December. Some of the party beat the corpse, or what was left of it, about the head exclaiming give us rain while others poured water in it through the sieve either pouring of water through a sieve seems plainly an imitation of a shower and reminds us of the manner in which the strepsades in aristophanes imagined that rain was made by zeus an armenian rain charm is to dig up a skull and throw it into running water at orfa for this purpose they prefer the skull of a jew which they cast at the pool of abraham in mysore people think that if a leper is buried instead of being burnt as he ought to be rain would not fall. Hence they have been known to descend to buried lepers in time of drought. In Hal Mahiro there is a practice of throwing stones on a grave in order that the ghost may fall into a passion and avenge the disturbance 
as he imagines by sending heavy rain. This may explain a rain charm, which seems to have been practiced by the Mauritanians in antiquity. A mound in the shape of a man lying on his back was pointed out as a grave of the giant Antaeus, and if any earth was dug up and removed from it, rain fell till the soil was replaced. Perhaps the rain was a revenge the surly giant took for being wakened from his long sleep. Sometimes in order to procure rain, the Toreges of central Celebes make an appeal to the pity of the dead. Thus, in the village of Kalingoa, in Kadombuku, there is a grave of a famous chief, the grandfather of the present ruler. When the land suffers from unseasonable drought, the people go to this grave, pour water on it, and say, O grandfather, pity on us. If it is your will that this year we should eat, then give rain. After that, they hang a bamboo full of water at the grave. There is a small hole in the lower end of the bamboo, so that the water drips from it continually. The bamboo is always refilled with water until rain drenches the ground. Here, as in New Caledonia, we find religion blent with magic, for the prayer of the dead chief, which is purely religious, is eked out with a magical imitation of rain at his grave. We have seen that the Baronga of Delagoa Bay drenched the tombs of their ancestors, especially the tombs of twins, as a rain charm. In Zululand, the native girls form a procession and carry large pots of water to a certain tree which chances to be on a mission station. When the girls are asked why they did this, and said that an old ancestor of theirs had been buried under the tree, and, as he was a great rainmaker in his life, they always came and poured water on his grave in time of drought, in order that he might send them rain. This ceremony partakes of the nature of religion, since it implies an appeal for help to a deceased ancestor. Purely religious, on the other hand, are some means adopted by the Herero of southwestern Africa to procure rain. If a drought has lasted long, the whole tribe goes with his cattle to the grave of some eminent man, and may be the father or grandfather of the chief. They lay offerings of milk and flesh on the grave and out of their plant. Look, O oh father, upon your beloved cattle and children. They suffer distress. They are so lean, they are dying of hunger. Give us rain. The ears of the spectator are defined by the lowing and bleating of herds and flocks, the shouts of herdsmen, the barking of dogs, and the screams of women. Among some of the Indian tribes in the region of the Orinoco, it was customary for the relations of a deceased person to disinter his bones a year after burial, burn them, and scatter the ashes to the winds, because they believed that the ashes were changed into rain, which the dead man sent in return for his obsequies. The Chinese are convinced that when human bodies remain unburied, the souls of their late owners feel the discomfort of rain, just as living men would do if they were exposed to their shelter to the inclemency of the weather. These rich souls, therefore, do all in their power to prevent the rain from falling, and often their efforts are only too successful. Then drought ensures, the most dead of all calamities in China, because bad harvest, dearth, and famine follow in its train. Hence it has been a common practice of the Chinese authorities in time of drought to inter the dry bones of the unburied dead for the purpose of putting an end to the skirt and conjuring down the rain. Making Rain by Means of Animals Animals again often play an important part in these weather charms. The Anula tribe of northern Australia associate the dollar bird with rain and call it the rain bird. A man who has the bird for his totem can make rain at a certain pool. He hatches the snake, puts it alive into the pool, and after holding it under water for a time, takes it out, kills it, and lays it down by the side of the creek. Then he makes an arched bundle of grass stalks in imitation of a rainbow and sets it up over the snake. After that, all he does is to sing over the snake and the mimic rainbow. Sooner or later, the rain will fall. 
They explain this procedure by saying that long ago the dollar bird had as mate at this spot a snake who lived in the pool and used to make rain by spitting up into the sky till the rainbow and clouds appeared and rain fell. The Tidjingili of northern Australia make rain in an odd way. One of them will catch a fat bandicoot and carry it about, singing over it till the animal grows very thin and weak. Then he lets it go, and the rain will follow. When some of the Blackfoot Indians were at war in summer and wished to bring on a tempest, they would take a kid fox skin and rub it with dirt and water, which never failed to be followed by a storm of rain. The Thompson Indians of British Columbia think that when the loon calls loud and often, it will soon rain, and that to mimic the cry of the bird may bring the rain down. The fish called the small sculpin, which abounds along the rocky shore of Norton Sound, is called by the Eskimos the rainmaker. They say that if a person takes one of these fish in his hand, heavy rain will follow. If ain't no fishermen desire to bring on rain and wind, they pray to the skulls of raccoons and then throw water of each other. Should they wish the storm to increase, they put on gloves and caps of raccoon skin and dance. Then it blows great guns. In Mahalang, a district of Upper Burma, when rain is scarce, the people pray to a certain fish called Nyayan and send it. They also catch some fish and put them in a tub, while offerings of plantains and other food are made to the monks in the name of the fish. After that, the fish are let loose in a stream or pond with gold leaves stuck on their heads. If live fish are not to be had, wooden ones are used and answer the purpose just as well. When the chiris and manabor wish to make rain, they catch a crab and put it in a pot of water. Then the headman goes to the gate of the village and keeps lifting the crab out of the water and putting it back into it till he is tied. An ancient Indian mode of making rain was to throw an otter into the water. If the sky refuses rain and the cattle are perishing, an Arab sheik will sometimes stand in the middle of the camp and cry, Redeem yourselves, O people, redeem yourselves. At these words, every family sacrifices a sheep, divides it in two, and hanging the pieces on two poles, passes between them. Children too young to walk are carried by their mother, but this custom has rather the appearance of a sacrifice than of a charm. The southern Salib's people try to make rain by carrying a cat tied in a sedan chair thrice round the parched fields, while they trench it with water from bamboo squirts. When the cat begins to meow, they say, O oh Lord, let rain fall on us. A common way of making rain in many parts of Java is to bathe the cat or two cats, a male and a female. Sometimes the animals are carried in procession with music. Even in Batavia, you may from time to time see children going about with a cat for this purpose. When they have ducked it in a pool, they let it go. Often in order to give effect to the rain charm, the animal must be black. Thus an ancient Indian way of bringing on rain was to set a black horse with his face to the west and rub him with a black cloth till he neighed. In the Benai Chogran tribe of northern Africa, women lead a black cow in procession, while other women sprinkle the whole group with water as a means of wringing a shower from the sky. To procure rain, the Peruvian Indians used to set a black sheep in a field, pulled chica over it, and give the animal nothing to eat until the rain fell. Once when a drought lasting five months had burnt up their pastures and withered the corn, the Kafirs of Natal had recourse to a famous witch, who promised to procure rain without delay. A black sheep having been produced, an incision was made in the animal near the shoulder and the gall taken out. Part of this the witch rubbed over her own person, part she drank, part was mixed with medicine. Some of the medicine was then rubbed on her body, the rest of it attached to a stick, was fixed in the fence of a cow's pen. The woman next harangued the clouds. 
when the sheep was to be cooked a new fire was procured by the friction of fire sticks in ordinary circumstances a brand would have been taken from one of the huts among the wambugwe a bantu people of western africa when the sorcerer desires to make rain he takes a black sheep and a black calf in bright sunshine and has them placed on the roof of a large common hut in which the people live together then he slits open the stomachs of the animals and scatters their contents in all directions after that he pours water and medicine into a vessel if the charm has succeeded the water boils up and rain follows on the other hand if the sorcerer wishes to prevent rain from falling he withdraws into the interior of the hut and there heats a rock crystal in a calabash in order to procure rain the wagogo of germany east africa sacrificed black fowls black sheep and black cattle at the graves of dead ancestors and the rainmaker wears black clothes during the rainy season among the matabele the rain charm employed by sorcerers was made from the blood and gall of a black ox in a district of sumatra in order to procure rain all the women of the village scantily clad go into the river wade into it and splash each other with the water a black cat is thrown into the stream and made to swim about for a while then allowed to escape to the bank pursued by the splashing women the garros of assam offer a black goat on the top of a very high mountain in time of drought in all these cases the colour of the animal is part of the charm being black it will darken the sky with rain clouds so the beconos burn the stomach of an ox at evening because they say the black smoke will gather the clouds and cause the rain to come the timorese sacrifice a black pig to the earth goddess for rain a white or red one to the sun god for sunshine the angoli a tribe of zulu descent to the north of the zambezi sacrifice a black ox for rain and a white one for fine weather among the high mountains of japan there is a district in which their rain has not fallen for a long time a party of villagers goes in procession to the bed of a mountain torrent headed by a priest who leads a black dog at the chosen spot they teft the beast to a stone and make it a target for their bullets and arrows when its life-blood bespatters the rocks the peasants throw down their weapons and lift up their voices in supplication to the dragon divinity of the stream exhorting him to send down forthwith a shower to cleanse the spot from its defilement custom has prescribed that on these occasions the colour of the victim shall be black as an emblem of the wished-for rain clouds but if fine weather is wanted the victim must be white without a spot frogs and toads in relation to rain the intimate association of frogs and toads of water has earned for these creatures a widespread reputation as custodians of rain and hence they often play a part in charms designed to draw needed showers from the sky some of the indians of the orinoco held the toad to be the god or lord of the waters and for that reason feared to kill the creature even when they were ordered to do so they have been known to keep frogs under a pot and to beat them with rods when there was a drought it is said that the aymara indians of peru and bolivia often make little images of frogs and other aquatic animals and place them on the tops of the hills as a means of bringing down rain in some parts of southeastern australia where the rainfall is apt to be excessive the natives feared to injure Taitale, the frog or bluck the bullfrog because they were said to be full of water instead of intestines and great rains would follow if one of them were killed the frog family was often referred as the bunjil wulung or mr rain a tradition ran that once upon a time long ago the frog drank up all the water in the lakes and rivers and then sat in the dry reed bed swollen to enormous size saying bluck bluck in a deep gurgling voice all the other animals wandered about gaping and gasping for a drop of moisture 
but finding none they agreed that they must all die of thirst unless they could contrive to make the frog laugh so they tried one after the other but for a long time in vain at last the conger eel and his relations hung around the lake grass and gay seaweed reared themselves on their tails and pranced round the fire this was too much for the frog he opened his mouth and laughed till the water ran out and the legs and strings were full once more we have seen that some of the queensland aborigines imitate the movements and cries of frogs as part of a rain charm the Tomswardy river indians of british columbia and some people in europe think that to kill a frog brings on rain in order to procure rain people of low caste in the central provinces of india will tie a frog to a rod covered in green leaves and branches of the nim tree azadiracta indica and carry it from door to door singing send soon a frog the jewel of water and ripen the wheat and millet in the field in kumaon a district of northwestern india one way of bringing on rain when it is needed is to hang a frog with its mouth up on a tall bamboo or on a tree for a day or two the notion is that the god of rain seeing the creature in trouble will take pity on it and send the rain in the district of muzaffarpur in india the vulgar believe that the cry of a frog is most readily heard by the god of rain hence in a year of drought the low-caste females of a village assemble at evening and put a frog in a small earthen pot together with water taken from five different houses the pot with the frog is in place in the hollow wooden cup into which the lever used for pounding rice falls being raised to the foot and then allowed to drop the lever crushes the frog to death and while the creature emits his dying croak the women sing songs in a loud voice about the dearth of water the capas or redis are a large and prosperous caste of cultivators and landowners in the mattress presidency when rain falls women of the caste will catch a frog and tie it alive to a new winnowing fan made of bamboo on this fan they spread a few margosa leaves and go from door to door singing lady frog must have her bath o rain god give her a little water for her at least while the kapu women sing this song the woman of the house pours water over the frog and gives in alms convinced that by so doing she will soon bring rain down in torrents again in order to procure rain the malas who are the pariahs of the telugu country in southern india tie a live frog to a mortar and put a mud figure of gontil ayalama over it then they carry the mortar frog and all in procession singing mother frog playing in water pour rain by pots full while the villagers of the caste pour water over them beliefs like these might easily develop into a worship of frogs regarded as personifying the powers of water and rain in the rig Veda, there is a hymn about frogs which appears to be substantially a rain charm the new warriors the aboriginal inhabitants of nepal worship the frog as a creature associated with the demigod nagas in the production and control of rain and the water supply on which the welfare of the crops depends a sacred character is attributed to the little animal and every care is taken not to molest or injure it the worship of the frogs performed on the seventh day of the month of kartik october usually at a pool which is known to be frequented by frogs although it is not essential to the efficiency of the rite that a frog should be actually seen at the time after carefully washing his face and hands the priest takes five brazen bowls and places in them five separate offerings namely rice flowers milk and vermilion ghee and incense and water lighting the pile of ghee and incense the priest says hail parem svada buminatha i pray you receive these offerings and send us timely rain and bless our crops suggested explanation of connection of frog with rain some of these customs and beliefs may be at least in part based on the frog's habit of storing up water in its body against seasons of drought 
When it is caught at such times, it squirts the water out in a jet. On seeing a frog emit a gush of water when all around was dry and parched, savages might easily infer that the creature had caused the drought by swallowing all the water, and that in order to restore its moisture to the thirsty ground, they had only to make the frog disgorge its secret store of the precious liquid. Stopping rain by means of rabbits and serpents. Among some tribes of South Africa, when too much rain falls, the wizard, accompanied by a large crowd, repairs to the house of a family where there has been no death for a very long time, and there he burns the skin of a coney. As it burns, he shouts, the rabbit is burning, and the cry is taken up by the whole crowd, who continue shouting until they are exhausted. This, no doubt, is supposed to stop the rain. Equally effective is a method adopted by gypsies in Australia. When the rain has continued to pour steadily for a long time, to the great discomfort of the homeless vagrants, the men of the band assemble at a river and divide themselves into two parties. Some of them cut branches with which to make a raft, while the others collect hazel leaves and cover the raft with them, on which thereupon lays a dried serpent, wrapped in white rags on the raft, which is then carried by several men to the river. Women are not allowed to be present at this part of the ceremony. While the procession moves towards the river, the witch marches behind the raft singing a song, of which the burden is a statement that gypsies do not like water and have no urgent need of serpent's milk. Coupled with the expression of a hope that the serpent may see his way to swallow the water, that he may run to his mother and drink milk from her breasts, and that the sun may shine out, bringing back mirth and jollity to gypsy hearts. Transylvanian gypsies will sometimes expose the dried carcass of a serpent to the pouring rain, in order that the serpent may convince himself of the inclemency of the weather, and so grant the people's wish. Doing violence to the being who controls the weather. This last custom is an example of an entirely different mode of procuring rain, to which people sometimes have recourse in extreme cases, when the drought is long and their temper short. At such times they will drop the usual hocus-pocus of imitative magic altogether, and being far too angry to waste their breath in prayer, they seek by threats and curses or even downright physical force to extort the waters of heaven from the supernatural being who has, so to say, cut them off at the main. Thus in Muzaffarnagar, a town of the Punjab, when the rains are excessive, the people draw a figure of a certain Muni or Rishi Agastya on a loincloth and poured it out in the rain, or they paint his figure on the outside of the house and let the rain wash it off. This Muni or Rishi Agastya is a great personage in the native folklore and enjoys the reputation of being able to stop the rain. It is supposed that he will exercise his powers as soon as he is thus made to feel in effigy the misery of wet weather. On the other hand, when rain is wanted at Chattarpur, a native state in Bundelkhand, they paint two figures with their legs up and their heads down on a wall that faces east. One of the figures represents Indra, the other Mekar Raja, the Lord of Rain. They think that in this uncomfortable position these powerful beings will soon be glad to send the much-needed showers. In a Japanese village, when the guardian divinity has long been deaf to the peasants' prayers for rain, they at last throw down his image and, with curses loud and long, hurled it, it head foremost into the stinking rice-field. There, they said, you may stay yourself for a while and see how you will feel after a few days scorching in this broiling sun that is burning the life from our cracked fields. In the light circumstances, the Feloups of Senegambia cast down their fetishes and drag them about the fields, cursing them till rain falls. In Okunumura, a Japanese village not far from Tokyo, when rain is wanted, an artificial dragon is made out of straw, reeds, bamboos of magnolia leaves, preceded by a Shinto priest, attended by men carrying paper flags and followed by others beating a big drum. The dragon is carried in a procession from the Buddhist temple and finally thrown into a waterfall. 
when the spirits withhold rain or sunshine the comanches whip the slave if the gods prove obstinate the victim is almost flayed alive chinese modes of compelling the gods to give rain the chinese are adepts in the art of taking the kingdom of heaven by storm thus when rain is wanted they make a huge dragon of paper or wood to represent the rain god and carry it about in procession but if no rain follows the mock dragon is executed and torn to pieces at other times they threaten and beg the god if it does not give rain sometimes they publicly dispose of him from the rank of deity on the other hand if the wished-for rain falls the god is promoted to a higher rank by an imperial decree it is said that in the reign of kai king fifth emperor of the manchu dynasty a long drought desolated several provinces of northern china processions were of no avail the rain dragon hardened his heart and would not let a drop fall at last the emperor lost patience and condemned the recalcitrant deity to perpetual exile on the banks of the river Ili in the province of Tordogot. the decree was in process of execution the divine criminal with a touching resignation was already traversing the deserts of tartary to work out his sentence on the borders of Turkestan, when the judges of the high court of peking moved with compassion flung themselves at the feet of the emperor and implored his pardon for the poor devil the emperor consented to revoke his doom and a messenger set off at full gallop to bear the tidings to the executors of the imperial justice the dragon was reinstated in his office on condition of performing his duties a little better in future about the year seventeen ten the island of song ming which belongs to the province of nanking was afflicted with a drought the viceroy of the province after the usual attempts to soften the heart of the local deity by burning incense sticks had been made in vain sent word to the idol that if rain did not fall by such and such a day he would have turned out of the deity and his temple raised to the ground the threat had no effect on the obdurate divinity the day of grace came and went and yet no rain fell then the indignant viceroy forbade the people to make any more offerings at the shrine of his unfeeling deity and commanded that the temple should be shut up and seals placed on the doors cut off from his base of supplies the idol had no choice but to surrender at discretion rain fell in a few days and thus the god was restored to the affections of the faithful in some parts of china the mandarins procure rain or fine weather by shutting the southern or the northern gates of the city for the south wind brings drought and the north wind brings showers hence by closing the southern and opening the northern gates you clearly exclude drought and admit rain whereas contrawise by shutting the northern and opening the southern gates you bar out the clouds and the wet and let in sunshine and genial warmth in april eighteen eighty eight the mandarins of canton prayed to the god lung wong to stop the incessant downpour of rain and when he turned a deaf ear to their petitions they put him in a lock-up of five days this had a salutary effect the rain ceased and the god was restored to liberty some years before in times of drought the same deity had been changed and exposed to the sun for days in the courtyard of his temple in order that he might feel for himself the urgent need of rain siamese modes of constraining the gods to give rain so when the siamese need rain they set out their idols in the blazing sun but if they want dry weather they unroof the temples and let the rain pour down on the idols they think their inconvenience to which the gods are thus subjugated will induce them to grant the wishes of their worshippers when the rice crop is endangered by a long drought the governor of bantambang a province of siam goes in great state to a certain pagoda and prays to border for rain then accompanied by his suit and followed by an enormous crowd he adjourns to a plain behind the pagoda here a dummy figure is being made up dressed in bright colours and placed in the middle of the plain a wild music begins to play maddened 
by the din of drums and cymbals and crackers and goaded on by the drivers the elephants charge down on the dummy and trample it to pieces after this order will soon give rain compelling the saints to give rain in sicily the reader may smile at the meteorology of the far east but precisely similar modes of procuring rain have been resorted to in christian europe within our own lifetime by the end of april eighteen ninety three there was great distress in sicily for lack of water the drought had lasted six months every day the sun rose and set in a sky of cloudless blue the gardens of the conca diora which surrounded palermo with a magnificent belt of verdure were withering food was becoming scarce the people were in great alarm all the most approved methods of procuring rain had been tried without effect processions had traversed the streets and the fields men women and children telling their beads had lain whole nights before the holy images consecrated candles had burned day and night in the churches palm branches blessed on palm sunday had been hung in the trees as sola paruta in accordance with a very old custom the dust swept from the churches on palm sunday had been spread on the fields in ordinary years these holy sweepings preserved the crops but that year if you will believe me they had no effect whatever at nicusia the inhabitants bareheaded and barefoot carry the crucifixes through the wards of the town and scourge each other with iron whips it was all in vain even the great saint francis of paola himself who annually performs the miracle of rain and is carried every spring through the market gardens either could not or would not help masses vespers concerts illuminations fireworks nothing could move him at last the peasants began to lose patience most of the saints were banished at palermo they dumped saint joseph in a garden to see the state of things for himself and they swore to leave him there in the sun till rain fell other saints were turned like naughty children with their faces to the wall others again stripped their beautiful robes were exiled far from their parishes threatened grossly insulted ducked in horse bonds at caltanisetta the golden wings of saint michael the archangel were torn from his shoulders and replaced with wings of pasteboard his purple mantle was taken away and a clout wrapped about him instead at lecata the patron saint angelo fared even worse for he was left without any garments at all he was reviled he was put in irons he was threatened with drowning or hanging rain or the rope or the angry crowd at him as they shook their fists in his face disturbing the rain god in his haunts another way of constraining the rain god is to disturb him in his haunts this seems to be the reason why rain is supposed to follow the troubling of a sacred spring the dyards believe that if a cowskin or anything impure is placed in certain springs storms will follow in the mountains of fargana there was a place where rain began to fall as soon as anything dirty was thrown into a certain famous well again in tabaristan there was said to be a cave in the mountain of tak which had only to be defiled by filthful milk for the rain to begin to fall and it continued falling till the cave was cleansed gervasius mentions a spring into which if a stone or a stick were thrown rain would at once issue from it and drench thrower there was a fountain in munster such that if it were touched or even looked at by a human being it would at once flood the whole province with rain in normandy a wizard will sometimes repair to a spring sprinkle flour it and sprinkle the water with a hazel rod while he chants his spell a mist then rises from the spring and condenses in the shape of heavy clouds which discharge volleys of hail on the orchards and cornfields when rain was long of coming in the canary islands the priestesses used to beat the sea with rods to punish the water spirit for his niggardliness. among the natural curiosities of a man are the caves of Chorhang or Trok. You may sail into them in a boat underground for a distance of half a mile, and a little way further in you come 
to the remains of an ancient altar among magnificent stalactite columns the ammonites worshipped the spirit of the cave and offered sacrifices at its mouth in time of drought from all the villages in the neighbourhood come boats the boatmen singing let it rain let it rain in time to the measured tip of their oars on the water arrived at the mouth of the cave they offer rice and wine to the spirit prostrating themselves four times before him then the master of the ceremonies recites a prayer ties a written copy to the neck of a dog and flings the animal into the stream which flows from the grotto this is done in order to provoke the spirit of the cave to anger by defiling his pure water or he will then send abundant rains to sweep far away the, the carcass of the dead dog which pollutes the sacred grotto putting compassion on the rain god two hundred miles to the east of the land of the huchol indians in mexico there is a sacred spring and away to the west of their country stretches the pacific ocean to ensure the fall of rain these indians carry water from the spring to the sea and an equal quantity of sea water from the sea to the spring the two waters thus transferred will they think feel strange in their new surroundings and will seek to return to their old homes hence they will pass in the shape of clouds across the huachol country and meeting there will descend as rain exciting the pity of the beings who control the rain sometimes an appeal is made to the pity of the gods when their corn is being burnt up by the sun the zulus look out for a heaven bird kill it and throw it into a pool then the heaven melts with tenderness for the death of the bird it wails for it by raining wailing a funeral wail in zulu land women sometimes bury their children up to the neck in the ground and then retiring to a distance keep up a dismal howl for a long time the sky is supposed to melt with pity at the sight then the women dig the children out and feel sure that the rain will soon follow they say that they call to the lord above and ask him to send rain if it comes they declare that usondo reigns in times of drought the guanches of tenerife led their sheep to sacred ground and there they separated the lambs from their dams that their plaintive bleating might touch the heart of the god in Kuamon, a way of stopping rain is to pour hot oil in the left ear of a dog the animal howls of pain his howls are heard by indra and out of pity for the beast suffering the god stops the rain sometimes the tarajas of central salibs attempt to procure rain as follows they place the stalks of certain plants in water saying go and ask for rain and so long as no rain falls i will not plant you again but there shall you die also they string some fresh water snails on a cord and hang the cord on a tree and say to the snails go and ask for rain and so long as no rain comes i will not take you back to the water then the snails go and weep and the gods take pity and send rain however the foregoing ceremonies are religious rather than magical since they involved an appeal to the compassion of high powers a peculiar mode of making rain was adopted by some of the heathen arabs they tied two sorts of bushes to the tails and hind legs of their cattle and setting fire to the bushes drove the cattle to the top of a mountain praying for rain this may be as well horson suggests an imitation of lightning on the horizon but it may also be a way of threatening the sky as some west african rainmakers put a pile of inflammable materials on the fire and blow up the flames threatening that if heaven does not soon give rain they will send up a blaze which will set the sky on fire in time of drought the priests of the Maiskas in new granada ascend a mountain and there burned billets of wood smeared with resin the ashes they scattered in the air thinking thus to condense the clouds and bring rain making rain by means of stones stones are often supposed to possess the property of bringing on rain provided they be dipped in water or sprinkled with it or treated in some other appropriate manner 
in a Samoan village, a certain stone was carefully housed as the representative of the rain-making god, and in time of drought, his priests carried the stone in procession and dipped it in a stream. Among the Tata-Thi tribe of New South Wales, the rainmaker breaks off a piece of quartz crystal and spits it towards the sky. The rest of the crystal he wraps in emu feathers, soaks both crystal and feathers in water, and carefully hides them. In the Karaman tribe of New South Wales, the wizard retires to the bed of a creek, drops water on a round flat stone, then covers up and conceals it. Among some tribes in northwestern Australia, the rainmaker repairs to a piece of ground which is set apart for the purpose of rainmaking. There he builds a heap of stones or sand, places on the top of it his magic stone, and walks or dances round the pile, chanting his incantations for hours, till sheer exhaustion obliges him to desist, when his place is taken by his assistant. Water is sprinkled on the stone, and huge fires are kindled. No layman may approach the sacred spot while the mystic ceremony is being performed. When the Salka of New Britain wish to procure rain, they blacken stones with the ashes of certain fruits, and set them out, along with certain other plants and buds in the sun. Then a handful of twigs is dipped in water, and weighed with stones, while a spell is chanted. After that rain should follow, in Manipur, on a lofty hill in the east of the capital, there is a stone which the popular imagination likens to an umbrella. When rain is wanted, the Raja fetches water from a spring below and sprinkles it on the stone. At Sagami in Japan, there is a stone which draws down rain whenever water is poured on it. When the Wakondyo, a tribe of Central Africa, desired rain, they sent to the Wewamba, who dwells at the foot of snowy mountains, and are the happy possessors of a rainstone. In consideration of a proper payment, the Wewamba washed the precious stone, anointed it with oil, and put it in a pot full of water. After the rain cannot fail to come, in Bihar people think that to put an end to drought by keeping a holy stone named Narayan Chakra in a vessel of water. The Turks of Armenia make rain by throwing pebbles into the water. At Egin the pebbles are hung in two bags in the Euphrates. There should be seventy thousand and one of them. At Myandus in Asia Minor the number of the stones used for the, this purpose is seventy thousand and each of them should be licked before it is cast into the sea. Bezoar Stones as Instruments of Rain in some parts of Mongolia, when the people desire rain, they fasten a bazaar stone to a willow twig and place it in pure water, uttering incantations or prayers at the same time. At Yakutsch, all classes used firmly to believe they could make rain by means of one of these bazaar stones, provided it had really been found in the stomach of an animal, and the fiercer the beast, the more powerful the charm. The rainmaker had to dip the stone in spring water just as the sun rose, and then holding it between the thumb and the forefinger of the right hand to present it to the luminary, after which he made three turns contrary to the direction of the sun. The virtue of the bazaar stone lasted only nine days. Conversely, when Dr. Radloff's Mongolian guide wished to stop the rain, he tied a rock crystal by a short string to a stick, held the stone over the fire, and swung the stick about in all directions, while he chanted an incantation. Water is scarce with the fierce Apaches, who roam the arid wastes of Arizona and New Mexico. The springs are few and far between in these torrid wildernesses, where the intense heat would be unendurable were it not for the great dryness of the air. The stony beds of the streams are waterless in the plains. But if you ascend for some miles, the profound canyons that worm their way into the heart of the wild and rugged mountains, you come in time to a current trickling over the sand, and a mile or two more will bring you to a stream of a tolerable size flowing over boulders and screened from the fierce sun by walls of rock 
that tower on either hand a thousand feet into the air. Their parched sides matted with the fantastic forms of the prickly cactus, and their summits crested far overhead with pine woods, like a black fringe against the burning blue of the sky. In such a land we need not wonder that the thirst Indians seek to procure rain by magic. They take water from a certain spring and throw it on a particular point high up on a rock. The welcome clouds then soon gather and rain begins to fall. In the district of Aranda, in Armenia, there is a rock with a hole in it near a sacred place. Women light candles on the rock and pour water into the hole in order to bring on rain. As in the same district, there is another rock in which water is poured and milk boiled as offering in time of drought. Making rain by means of stones in Europe. But customs of this sort are not confined to the worlds of Africa and Asia or the torrid deserts of Australia and the New World. They have been practiced in the cool air and under the grey skies of Europe. There is a fountain called Barentin, of romantic fame, in those wild woods of Brasiliand, where, if legend be true, the wizard Merlin still sleeps his magic slumber in the hawthorn shade. Thither the Breton peasants used to resort when they needed rain. They caught some of the water in a tankard and threw it on a slab near the spring. On Snowdon there was a lonely tarn called Dunlin, or the Black Lake, lying in a dismal stingle surrounded by high and dangerous rocks. A row of stepping stones runs out into the lake, and if anyone steps on the stones and throws water so as to wet the farther stone, which is called the Red Altar, it is but a chance that you do not get rain before night, even when it is hot weather. In these cases it appears probable that, as in Samoa, the stone is regarded as more or less divine. This appears from the custom sometimes observed in dipping the cross in the fountain of Barrenton to procure rain, for this is plainly a Christian substitute for the old pagan way of throwing water on the stone. Dipping Images of Saints in Water as a Rain Charm At various places in France it is, or used till lately to be, the practice to dip the image of a saint in water as a means of procuring rain. Thus, beside the old priory of Comagui, a mile or two on the southwest of Moulins Engelbert, there is a spring of St. Gervais, whither the inhabitants go in procession to obtain rain or fine weather according to the needs of the crops. In times of great drought, they throw into the basin of the fountain an ancient stone image of the saint that stands in a sort of niche from which the fountain flows. At Colobreyers and Carpentres, both in Provence, a similar practice was observed with the image of St. Pons and St. Jens, respectively. In several villages in Avare, prayers for rain used to be offered to St. Peter, and by way of enforcing them, the villagers carried the image of the saint in procession to the river, where they thrice invited him to reconsider his resolution and to grant their prayers. Then, if he was still obstinate, they plunged him in the water, despite the remonstrances of the clergy, who pleaded with as much truth as Pady that a simple caution or admonition administered the image would produce an equally good effect. After this the rain was sure to fall within twenty-four hours. Catholic countries do not enjoy a monopoly of making rain by ducking holy images in water. In Mingrelia, when the crops are suffering from want of rain, they take a particularly holy image and dip it in water every day till a shower falls, and in the far east the Chans drench the images of Buddha with water whence the rice is perishing of drought. In all such cases the practice is probably at bottom a sympathetic charm however may be disguised under the appearance of a punishment or a threat. Various Rain Charms by Means of Stones The application of water to a miraculous stone is not the only way of securing its good offices in the making of rain. In the island of Oost, one of the outer Hebrides, 
There is a stone cross opposite to St. Mary's Church, which the natives used to call the water cross. When they needed rain, they set the cross up, and when enough rain had fallen, they laid it flat on the ground. In Aurora, one of the New Hebrides islands, the rainmaker puts a tuft of leaves of a certain plant in the hollow of a stone. Over it he lays some branches of a pepper tree pounded and crushed, and of these he adds a stone which is believed to possess the property of drawing down showers from the sky. All this he accompanies with incantations, and, and finally covers the whole mass up. In time it ferments, and steam, charged with magical virtue, goes up and makes clouds and rain. The wizard must be careful, however, not to pound the pepper too hard, as otherwise the wind might blow too strong. Sometimes a stone derives its magical virtue from its likeness to a real or imaginary animal. Thus a kota kadang, in Sumatra, there is a stone which, with the help of a powerful imagination, may perhaps be conceived to bear a faint and distant resemblance to a cat. Naturally, therefore, it possesses the property of eliciting showers from the sky, since in Sumatra, as we have seen, a real black cat plays the part in ceremonies for the production of rain. Hence the stone is sometimes smeared with the blood of fowls, rubbed and incensed, while the charm is uttered over it. Adonete, in Washington State, there is an irregular basaltic rock on which a face said to be that of the thunderbird has been hammered. The Indians of the neighbourhood long believed that to shake the rock would cause rain by exciting the wrath of the thunderbird. Rain Charms in Classical Antiquity Like other peoples, the Greeks and Romans sought to obtain rain by magic when prayers and processions had proved ineffectual. For example, in Arcadia, when the corn and trees were pastured drought, the priest of Zeus dipped an oak branch in a certain spring on Mount Lysias. Thus troubled, the water sent up a misty cloud, from which rain soon fell upon the land. A similar mode of making rain is still practised, as we have seen, in Halmahira, near New Guinea. The people of Cranon in Thessaly had a bronze chariot which they kept in a temple. When they desired a shower, they shook the chariot, and the shower fell. Probably the rattling of the chariot was meant to imitate thunder. We have already seen that mock thunder and lightning form part of the rain charm in Russia and Japan. The legendary Salmonius, king of Elis, made mock thunder by dragging bronze kettles behind his chariot or by driving over a bronze bridge while he heard blazing torches in imitation of lightning. It was his impious wish to mimic the thundering car of Zeus as it rolled across the vaults of heaven. Indeed, he declared that he was actually Zeus and caused sacrifices to be offered to himself as such. Near a temple of Mars outside the walls of Rome, there was kept a certain stone known as a lapis manalis. In times of drought, the stone was dragged in Rome, and this was supposed to bring down rain immediately. There were Trustan wizards who made rain or discovered springs of water, it is not certain which. They were thought to bring the rain or the water out of their bellies. The legendary Telchines in Rhodes are described as magicians who could change their shape and bring clouds, rain, and snow. The Athenians sacrificed boiled, not roast meat, to the seasons, begging them to avert drought and try heat and descend due warmth and timely rain. This is an interesting example of the admixture of religion with sorcery, of sacrifice with magic. The Athenians dimly conceived that, in some way, the water in the pot would be transmitted through the boiled meat to the deities, and then sent down again by them in the form of rain. In a similar spirit, the prudent Greeks made it as a rule always to pour honey, but never wine on the altars of the sun god, pointing out with great show of reason how expedient it was that a god on whom so much dependence should keep strictly sober. End of section 11